It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Utah Jazz fans have gotten distracted from what really matters in this season. Is this the heyday of the NBA? Who's your MVP and the best player in the world's playing? He's not one of them. And why are the Los Angeles Lakers bad? That's always a fun conversation. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, how are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can subscribe, hit that little bell, be notified every time that we go live or drop an episode. Plus, you can follow us on all of your podcast providers for free. So thanks very much for tuning in. We've gotten distracted from what actually matters in the Utah Jazz season. We started getting distracted in January when COVID hit and we started to lose. And then we got really distracted when we started to lose some more and we didn't have any of our regular players on the floor. And only in the last mm, game have we been able to be reminded of what actually matters. And if we go back to the very beginning of the season, when the year started, my take on the Western Conference was that there were only about six players in the Western Conference who could were going to get better. That I thought Devin Booker, Mikkel Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton would all get better from their playoff experience, and the Suns, I thought, were way better than anyone else in the Western Conference. And they are. They're great, by the way. They're on pace to win 68 games. They're great. We might have to reevaluate that concept a little bit, too. I thought Donovan and Rudy could get better, and I thought Luka could get better. But other than that, I didn't think Staff or Draymond or any of those guys would really get a lot better. Jordan Poole has gotten a little bit better, but nothing that monumentally impacts. The Warriors are just better, and they're not playing any of their young guys, which is why they're winning. The Clippers didn't have anyone that was going to get better. The Lakers certainly didn't have anyone at 47 years old that was going to get better. Jokic actually might have gotten better stunningly off an MVP season, but I don't think that's what I was really speaking of. But to his credit, he really might have. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards would be the one I probably missed in that conversation because I didn't really think of Minnesota 
as a contender, but considering they're seventh, we probably should. And that was about it. Like when the year started, that was my take. And I missed, I missed on Anthony Edwards, but I don't think I missed on anyone else other than maybe John Morant. So John Morant and Anthony Edwards have both gotten better. Desmond Bain certainly gotten better. And I kind of missed the boat on Memphis and Minnesota. But of our primary, what we thought was Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, Dallas, Denver, Clippers, Lakers, those primary teams, those those top seven teams, which turned out to, you know, obviously be a little off. The five, six players were going to get better were, were Devin Booker certainly has, Mikel Bridges certainly has, DeAndre Ayton certainly has. And then Luka Doncic, who started poorly and is now pretty dominant right now. And then our two guys. And that's actually what matters. I think our two guys have gotten better. Donovan Mitchell is a better player today than he was at any point in his career. And now that he's had this defensive surge in the last few days, he's playing with more juice. But if you just kind of look at Donovan's game, the one thing that's not come around this year is the single best part of his game for all of the last four years. And that is the idea that his is that's his catch and shoot three. He's been one of the best catch and shoot three players in the NBA. And for whatever reason, that shot has not gone down. I feel like it's just a matter of the next day before it starts to fall. And when it does, it's going to be crazy. I really do. Like, I just can't imagine that Donovan Mitchell is suddenly not a good catch and shoot three player after being the second best catch and shoot player for the last four years in the NBA, other than Joe Harris. This year on catch and shoot threes, Donovan's taking three a game. He's shooting 31%. His off the bounce three, which is frankly more important for him. It's his pick and roll play. It's him coming down the floor is at 36%. Last year, when he kind of made another one of his jumps, his off the bounce three last year was at 36%. His catch and shoot was at 43%. The year prior in the 1920 season, when you looked at his catch and shoot numbers, they were again 43%. His off the bounce was 32. So he took this jump from 32 to 36, which changed who he was last year on his off the bounce. He's continued that. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, a 43% catch and shoot, three point shooter is shooting poorly, like it, at 32%. Seems impossible. So to me, I look at Donovan's game and I'm like, wait a sec, his two game is way better. His passing game is superior to what we've ever seen before. It's actually on the exact same numbers as what it was a year ago. He's from 1.1 steals per 36 minutes to 1.7. His rebounding numbers are virtually the same. He's getting the free throw line a little less, but so's the entire league. So that's made him have to become a better two-point shooter, and he's done it. Donovan from zero to three feet, like at the rim, is at 72%. That's up from 61 a year ago. That's an elite change. His floater game is at 48% up from 42. And his mid-range jumper, which is going to become important in the playoffs when teams zero in, is at 53% from 10 to 16 feet and 46%. from. He is a much better, more in control offensive player than he's ever been. He's much better. And now he's used, he's increased his defensive tenacity recently. The one area where he may, you know, might have slipped a little bit was just overall tenacity and focus but he's he's terrific he's a better player than he's ever been and I think he's got another step because the three-point shooting which is 
of catch and shoots probably comes right around after All-Star break. I can't imagine that it doesn't. The other thing about Don is that there's never been a post-All-Star game blip. In fact, there's been the opposite. Donovan's always been a little bit better post-All-Star game than pre-All-Star game. Rudy Gobert is better this year than he was last year or the years before. Defensively, he's had to make some changes, do some things differently. Teams avoid him. He had less of an impact early in the season. He's having that impact again. We've seen it. We know it. And offensively, he's the first player in the history of the NBA to score 15 points a game and shoot 70% from the floor. Well, all he does is dunk. Nah, I don't actually care all of he does, all he does stuff. Because what he's doing is scoring 16 points a game and shooting 70% from the field. At some point, you're scoring enough that, that these things actually matter. And no player in the history of the game has ever done it. So he is the most efficient scoring. And this doesn't even count like lack of, we can actually get it, take it even another step because the fact of the matter is I don't know if anyone's ever scored 15 points a game in the history of the game on eight shot attempts. That makes him even more efficient. Right? So Rudy Gobert is better than he's ever been before. And for all of our talk of all of these other things that we're worried about, of whether or not, you know, we have our next wing defender, which we probably, you know, we probably need. There's there's no question. Um, you know, whether they're and maybe we found it in in Daniel House or or something of that sort, or Trent Forrest, or we'll see. You know, those guys are not playoff tested. The um, the fact is that the guys that matter to us are better. That that's actually what really what really matters to us is having those two guys get better. Because if those two guys are better, they have a chance to carry us and to get us to where we need to get to. Um, and I think that's that's really where we've lost some focus, getting caught up in all the other things and the trade deadlines and things like that. If we were to look, I'm just going to do this. I, this is off the top of my head. Just I thought, think this is interesting because I just brought it up. So let me um, let me do something here for a second and see what we can find. What is averaging 15 points a game um, and taking eight shots a game? I'm wondering if there actually is somebody who has ever done that um, before. 15 Let's do 15 points and let's do less than 10 field goal attempts uh, per game and see what we get. Because I'll bet we don't get very many guys that have, I don't know that field goal attempts per game is a choice for me here. Yeah, there it is. Field goal attempts per game, live stat geeking. It's always great, great audio when we do live stat geeking. Um, The amount of players... Oh, I did it wrong. There we go. Less than 10 shots. More than 10 shots. Lots of guys have averaged 15 points. So the amount of players in the history of the game that have ever scored 15 or more points a game while taking averaging less than 10 shot attempts is 
12 individual seasons. Rudy Gobert has been three of them. No player has ever scored more than 15 points a game on eight shot attempts like Rudy is. The next closest is Rudy at 8.2. Danny Fortson played six games. That doesn't count. Daryl Dawkins at 85, 86 in 51 games, averaged 15 points on 8.6 shot attempts. Um, Artist Gilmore averaged 15 points on nine shot attempts. Rudy averaged 16 points on 8.8 shot attempts. Cedric Maxwell did it twice at nine shot attempts. Artist Gilmore, Bill Curry, and then Jarrett Allen this year is actually close. He's doing it on 16 points on 9.9 shot attempts, shooting 66%. But nobody has ever shot 70% in a season while also shot made... And score, you know, 15 points a game. So the guys, you know, the guys gotten better. And then you couple that with our steady Eddies, who we'll talk about in a second. And you got a pretty good thing going. Uh, today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in, uh, uh, not Linden, Layton. No, Logan. There we go. Sorry, brain cramp right there by David. Uh, Murdoch Chevy, located in Woodcross, also located up in Logan. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years doing amazing stuff. And the Chevy lineup of trucks, the Silverado, the Colorado, pretty amazing. 1.9% for six years and no payments for 120 days right now on the 21-22 Chevy models. That's Silverado. 2500 HD, incredible. The first ever all-electric Silverado is out, and you can step into the new year with a Chevy uh, and fire it up. Also, the great lineup of SUVs is there for you, or you can just go get the Camaro or the Corvette and rip around town. It's all at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross and in Logan. I can get it the third time and see if I can get it right. Uh, Stop on by. If you're going to visit any of those places, feel free to give me a buzz. Uh, we'd love to uh, help you out and uh, get you set up with a VIP meeting. So feel free if you're stopping by in Woodcross or in Logan, we'll get you set up. Today's show is also brought to you by my good friend, Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending. Steve just does amazing work. Mark Robinson wrote to us. Steve did a fantastic job in this crazy market. He was easy to work with and delivered it as expected. Steve also finds solutions to make things work in our favor. Steve is great to work with. We'll make it happen for you. I recommend Steve. Anytime. Katie Christensen wrote, Steve was very personable, helpful. He always responded quickly to our questions. It was great about keeping us updated on the status of our loan. We highly recommend him. And Lance wrote, everyone wants the best rates, but it doesn't always come with great service. Steven and the Intercap team were always in contact with updates and next steps. It was a great experience. I highly recommend it. Intercap Lending and our personal loan officer, Steve Carter, are there for you. Intercap Lending gets the job done. That's what separates them. And Steve Carter is just such a pleasure to send anyone to. So if you're looking to refi before the rates go anymore, if you're looking to get a, buy a new house right now, get a deal done, call Steve Carter. His direct line is 385-885-28. If you want to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, I can set up the meeting for you. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. The other aspect of Rudy and Donovan being better are that Mike Boyan and Royce are Mike Boyan and Royce. Like there is a great luxury in this sports world. If you can pen in a player, 
There's two different kinds of players. Boyan Bogdanovich, for the most part, and not everyone's this consistent, but Boyan Bogdanovich averages 18 points a game. And you can pencil in, barring a really rare circumstance, 18 points a game. Like, you can pen it in. There are other players who average 18 points a game who give you 30 one night, and they give you eight the next, and then you end up losing every time they give you eight. That's what Anthony Davis actually used to be. That used to be one of the biggest problems with Anthony Davis is he had this incredible variance of performance, and it led to them to New Orleans losing a lot of games. Once you have Donovan and Rudy, what you really want next is guys that give you exactly what they... And that's what we have with Boyan, Mike Conley, and Roy O'Neal is guys that actually deliver right where they're supposed to each and every night. Mike Conley, pretty much know what you're going to get every night. He's going to get, he averages 14 points, three rebounds, five assists. You know what he averages for his, his career? 15 points, three rebounds, five assists. Pretty incredible. We know exactly what we're going to get. So you add the improvement of Donovan and Rudy. You improve, add the steady Eddie of those three guys. And we've, we're fine. We've gotten distracted. It's fun. Trent Forrest is fun. Daniel House is fun. Eric Pascal's fun. And those are big questions. And the coaching staff, I'm sure, is trying to figure out how they maintain Eric Pascal, reintegrating Rudy Gay. That's going to be very difficult. Coaching staff, I'm sure, is worrying about, like, Trent Forrest has some gaps. We get into the playoffs. Our team's going to scout that and expose that. I think those are, um, you know, I think those are real questions. But the fact is what drives us and who we are and what our team is and where we sit in this landscape of the conference those are the things that matter. And I think we got, understandably, in the course of a season, got a little distracted. Right. As as M. Law says, Doke is fun. He's really fun. It doesn't matter. But he's really fun. Like, it's fun. It's nice. It's helpful. It's good. It gets us through 82 games. But when we get to what matters, what matters is those five. And the other one that matters is that Jordan's playing way better. And there's more to that. I'll talk to it as the week goes on. Um you know, I've got we got shows uh, Thursday and Friday this week, but just kind of, and I'll dig into why I think this is. But if we just go to kind of the first of the year, really, actually, if we kind of go to the twenty, you know, right before the first of the year with Jordan, last twenty games, Jordan is shooting forty three percent from the floor, thirty five percent from three, averaging seventeen points a game. That is Jordan. Like you can't ask for more than that. That's that's what he does. 43-35. If that, that's great. That's better than the 40-32 that we had going for a long time there. And there's I think there's some reasons why that is the case and that's sustainable. So, you know, I think that's that's an important little note. Is this the heyday of the NBA? Like I'm watching last night and I'm watching the night before. And so the night before on the 14th. Valentine's Day, DeMar DeRozan drops 40 points on the San Antonio Spurs with 16 to 24 shooting. And like, you've got to put DeMar DeRozan in the MVP conversation. You have to, like, it's, it's kind of a, like, oh, Jokic is just here doing his thing. He had 26, 15 and seven on a bad shooting night against Orlando the other night. And he's carrying a team. He's carrying a team. Denver the other night started Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Will Barton, and Bones Highland. And he's carrying them 
to seven games above 500. Last night, Chris Paul was incredible again. 17 points, five rebounds, four assists, and just dominant in the fourth quarter. Seven points, two rebounds, four assists in the fourth quarter, just dominant in the fourth quarter. Torrey Craig played four minutes for them in the four, five minutes for them in the fourth quarter last night. Um, Aaron Holiday played 11. They, they actually are playing the guys they just added to the now campaign is out, but uh, okay. Giannis last night dropped 50 again, 50 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, 50 points on 21 shots. Indiana against guys that aren't very good. I got it. He still dropped 50. And then we have Joel Embiid, who last night was not good. 19-9-6 and six is not good for him, as Boston's defense really might be in so incredibly good we have to pay attention to him. There are, and then you have Kevin Durant. And I'm probably missing someone. We have six players in the NBA. And then there's Luke, who had 21-10-6 and six last night, who's not... I don't think worthy of being in that six. Like you list the top 10 players in the NBA right now. Some of the guys you're leaving out are insane. You've got Luca and John Morant coming in the next tier of players here. Memphis, by the way, won last night without John Morant. 121-109 over New Orleans. You can get all of it at Locked On Now. It's kind of a fun recap of the games. But... C.J. McCollum had 30, did not hit a three. New Orleans is not winning anymore with him than they did before. Uh, My point is, I've never seen an MVP race like this. I I actually don't know who the MVP is. Like, I kind of was convinced it was Jokic for a while. I'm actually beginning to think it's Chris Paul. They're really great. They're they're really great. We have to kind of... And then, if it's not Chris Paul, it might be Giannis. Milwaukee's probably going to end up with the best record in the East again before we're done here. They had a bad game the other night, and they had a good game, so it's, you know who knows. DeMar DeRozan in Chicago have the best record in the East. He's probably got to be in the conversation. And Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the league. Couple, So we've got uh, six guys that are legitimate MVP candidates and the greatest player in the world. The greatest player in the world is not in that conversation. The greatest player to ever play the history of the game is still playing and is not in the conversation for the six best players in the league. And you've got Morant and you've got Duke Luca. And I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody in this mixed. Oh, I got Steph Curry. I haven't even mentioned Steph Curry. It's insane. This has got to be the greatest in the, here's what's so interesting to me about what's happened in the league right now. So let's take those seven players including Steph Curry, oops, or LeBron, eight. Like, is LeBron not a top 10 player in the NBA anymore? He's got to be, right? But CP3, DeRozan, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Curry, Ja, Luka. Okay, here's what's so interesting about this. And if you agree with me, hit the like button on this. Hit the like button on the video so you think that if you actually agree, this is like the heyday of the NBA. I know we always want to talk about magic and layering and all this, but so 
We have all, here's what's so incredible to me about this. Chris Paul's a diminutive little point guard. DeMar DeRozan's a mid-range sniper. Jokic is Larry Bird or Magic Johnson as a seven-footer. Giannis is something we've never seen before. Joel Embiid is an old-school power center with guard skills. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter ever to play the game, which is completely different. And then there's LeBron, which is Magic Johnson, Karl Malone's body. So of the eight, and then there's Luka at 6'9", who's playing point guard. And then there's John ja Morant, who's jumping out of the building with athleticism that we've rarely seen since probably David Thompson. So of our nine players, they're all different. Like, oh, the league, you got to be this, you got to be that, you got to be this, you got to be that. Great. And, St- and Stacy points out Kawhi Leonard is not even in this. Le- like, Kawhi comes back, and then does LeBron not make the top ten? Like, crazy. You look at these play- these teams or these players, they're all different. None of them are the same, and yet they're all dominant, which is what the beauty of the game is right now. It's why we're, we're, we're probably in the heyday of the game. The next thing that makes us in the heyday of the game is the teams, and I'll touch on that in, in just one second, and then we'll try to dig into why the Lakers aren't good. I've gotten long-winded today. Surprise. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's pick two or five players, and over under other projections, you can win up to 10 times on an entry. It's easy just... It's just you versus the projected number. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks offers a variety of operations for your DFS game. Points scored to rebounds, even steals. It allows mixed sports as well. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Go to for $50. You get $50 free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer to Lockdown listeners. So sign up today. Use the NBA code, the code NBA for $50 if a player in your first prize pick scores a single point. So my next point on this is the teams of why we're in the heyday. Mountain Hobbler says, Rudy deserves to be mentioned this. I, I totally agree. Rudy's one of the top 10 most impactful players in the league. But did you just hear the names of players that we just mentioned? There's no way to get Rudy in that list. And I actually think Rudy, like, deserves to be there. And Durant hasn't been mentioned because he's been injured. Holy smokes! I'm going to drop this on Ron Boone in the middle of the broadcast. Is LeBron James a top 10 player in the NBA right now? He is. Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan... Nikola Jokic, Giannis Adekumbo, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, John Morant, Luka Doncic. That's 10. We didn't even mention Rudy. We didn't mention Donovan. It's crazy. And here's what's the coolest part about it from a team standpoint. Like if I go to bet online and find the odds, as we talked about the other day, the fit. There's no there's no real favorite to win it right now. Right? There's no team, there's no team that is way has way better odds than anybody else. The Suns should be. Like I think we actually have to. So the Warriors and the Suns are plus 450. I actually think we got to stop this for a second and realize that the Suns might be historically great. The Suns are on pace to win 68 games. They're just they just win every night. Like at some point we have to stop and say they're historically great and give them that props. And then the rest of you, the rest of the teams, 
we got to take a look at and realize what's here's what's fascinating. You've got like this super team of the Nets and this kind of super team now of the Sixers. And yet Miami's got the best record in the East. They weren't built that way. They're just like a bunch of guys that, that game it out and play hard. Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam out of Bayou. Chicago rebuilt out of the shambles has the best record in the East. Milwaukee, they they went and made a great tra- they made a great draft pick in Giannis and made an incredible trade in which Chris Middleton was the throw in and then they made a big time deal for Drew Holiday. Cleveland's rebuilt themselves to be good. The super teams, the Brooklyn Nets are going to play in a playing game. They're three games out of a play. They're going to have to catch the Celtics or the 76ers for a playing game. They're not going to do it. The Nets will be in a playing game. Over on the other side, the Warriors are kind of rebuilt themselves after Durant and injuries. Phoenix is coming out of nowhere, just added Chris Paul to a, if it wasn't for the bubble, Phoenix never exists. Memphis is growing from the ground up. Utah's growing from the ground up. Dallas has got Luka. Denver's got Jokic. And the Lakers built a super team and they're five games below 500. It's pretty interesting. Clippers have built a super team. They're crippled by injuries. They're two games below 500. They're still probably the best roster in the NBA. Like when you start to look around the league and you look at the lines at bet online of the teams that all have a chance to win it, Boston, by the way, is plus 2,500 right now. Just a thought. Like just a thought there. They might win the East. I'm dead serious. That defense is real. Um, And they've got two stars in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that are ready. And this thing is that wide open. This thing is that wide open. Pretty amazing. All right. uh, Why are the Lakers so bad? So the easy answer is Westbrook, but I actually think it's a lot deeper than that. So the first thing that's actually happened to the Lakers is really interesting to me is the Lakers have actually never been good in the half court. The year in which they won it with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I actually didn't think they'd win it because I didn't, I thought if they played a good defense, they would lose. And they ended up never playing a good defense. So what's so interesting about the Lakers over the last three years is they have never been a good half court team. So if you go back and look at 1920 season, when the Lakers win it, the Lakers offense in the half court ranked 17th in the NBA, but they got in transition the fifth most of any team in the league. And then they were a dominating force. In 2021, last year, the Lakers offense was 23rd in the half court and they did not get in transition nearly the same amount as they did the year prior. They were 13th in the league in transition. This year, their half court offense is actually better than it was last year. It's 17th in the league, but they've all for the whole time they've had LeBron and Anthony Davis is in the half court. They have been, they have been this a bottom half of the league in half court. So this is not actually new to what has happened to them offensively. In the 1920 season, they were the number two team in the league in transition. They were in transition the fifth most of any team in the league. And they were the number two team in the league in transition. 1.3 points, most points per possession, positive they added the most of any team in the league by getting in transition. And when they got in the playoffs, they were able to run and stay in transition. Last year, 
They slipped to 22nd in the league in efficiency and transition, and they did not run nearly as much. They were in the 11th most common league. So this year, they've actually gotten back to running more. They're back up in the most active teams in the league running as they run now as the fourth most of anyone in the league, but they're not good at it. They're the 20th ranked team in the league in transition. This is what makes it hard for us because we're not a very good transition defensive team. But the championship Laker team got in transition and was a beast. So for all the time, and maybe this is Westbrook's bad in transition with his wildness and everything else. But for all the talk of the Lakers and all the this and that, the truth of the matter is that they were never good in the half court. They have not been good in the half court since LeBron and Anthony Davis have been there. What they were good is in transition. The other thing they used to do is offensive rebound. So they would cover up their lack of half-court play by getting offensive rebounds. They're the sixth best offensive rebounding team in the league, and they are now not a good offensive rebounding team. So without actually a lot of change to what they are and how they shoot and what they do, they've gone from 11th offensively to 22nd offensively because they're not good in transition and they don't get extra possessions. Defensively, they've fallen off the cliff. Defensively, they were the third best team in the league two years ago. They were the second best team in the league defensively last year. And this year, they're 17th. And the question is, why? So if you look at their half-court defense over the years, that's the they've gone from being the third or fourth best in half-court to 17th defensively. So this is where I think that they actually can get better as they clear out the season. This is where they might have to stop playing Russ or figure it out. But they're... They're, they're the second, they're the team is the, they're, they're not good. But the real area where they've fallen apart is they allow the most transition opportunities of any team in the NBA. They're actually not terrible at defending it, but they've gone from, they're allowing an, an extra transition possession or two a night that they didn't used to use a lot. And they've become a less good defensive rebounding team when they do get a stop. The defensive thing, they're so long, but they lost Alex Caruso. They added Malik Monk. They added Carmelo Anthony. Maybe they can't fix that. But it is at least interesting that what they've done defensively is they now allow, they've always allowed a lot of shots at the rim. They are allowing a lot of more threes than they used to. And they're not defending the rim nearly as well as they used to. They defend everything else beautifully but the rim, and that's transition. So keep an eye on those things tonight. As the Jazz try to wrap up the win their seventh straight, head to the break and see if we can get the Lakers to lose their fifth of their last six and their eighth of their last ten. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. This has been Locked on Jazz. Have a great day. Hello to everyone out there. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Um, I Everyone's asking me about the Donovan Rudy stuff. Like, I don't give it a lot of validity, so I haven't talked about it. I'll listen to Chris Haynes' podcast and then see if there's something to talk about. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.